0: we just like to uh, welcome you all here. This is the first half of the Bible study that we will go over this morning. We're going to do two halves this morning total, but this hour is the first half of a Bible study on the great controversy. It's very evident in your life and in my life that there is a controversy going on between the forces of good and the forces of evil. Uh, a young lady was talking to me yesterday and she said that she was studying the Bible with someone that was very eager to study Scripture. And they, she asked the gentleman she was studying with, Do you know where the devil came from? And he said, I don't know where the devil came from. And she said, Well, let's study the Bible together and find that out. And he said, It's in there? My friends, this is better than ragu. The Bible's even better than ragu. It's in there. All of our questions, all of our answers are in there. And when you and I are giving a Bible study, it's very necessary for us to have a thus saith the Lord for everything that we teach people. Now, how many of you were not here yesterday at all? You were not here yesterday at all. Okay, so those of you, give me about three minutes. I'm going to go over Luke 24 and tell you why we're studying the Bible in topics. So let's open our Bibles to Luke the 24th chapter and as soon as I get there I will ask you to bow your heads with me. Luke chapter 24, we will read in verse 25 through 27. So let's pray. Father in heaven, what a privilege it is to be here to open your word, to study it. Lord, we ask that you will teach us things today that we have not heard. And that the things that we have heard, Father, we pray that you will just again bring them to our memory so that we can contemplate them and our lives will be brought closer to you. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of salvation and for the knowledge that you have given to us and to our church. We pray that you will help us to act responsibly with that knowledge. In your name we ask this. Amen. Alright, so you're in Luke chapter 24. You know the story here. Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus. And on the road to, a, or these two disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus, and then all of a sudden Jesus appears there with them. You're very familiar with this story. Well, they are concerned, upset. Their, their life is in a little bit of a turmoil because Jesus has been raised. They don't know where He is. They're confused about the whole situation. And Jesus who's walking with them says this in verse 25. Then He said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And the kicker here is in verse 27. This is Jesus' secret to studying the Bible. And Jesus, the Bible says here, "...and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself." So Jesus starts over here at Moses and walks all the way through the Old Testament with those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus simply pulls out references that deal with Himself." Isn't that what it says there in verse 27? "...and expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself." So when Jesus had a Bible study, the only Bible that Jesus had then was, of course, the Old Testament. It had been codified into what you and I have right now. And Jesus started in the Old Testament with the very beginning, walks through the books of Moses, walks through all of the prophets, and pulls out texts that talk about the Messiah. That's what you and I call a topical Bible study. Jesus studied the Bible in topics. I've said it before, I'll say it again. We cannot improve on the method of Christ. If Jesus studied the Bible in topics, then you and I want to study the Bible like Jesus did, so we'll study the Bible how? In topics. This isn't the only time that Jesus did that. Later that evening, Jesus does it again. Or the next day. Later, later that evening, the next day, they didn't get home till after dark, so you could say it was the same day. Anyway, here, verse forty-four. Jesus is speaking to the eleven in the upper room, and he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning who? concerning me. Verse 45. Notice what happens when we study the Bible in topics and we pull out references that deal whether it's state of the dead, whether it's the first coming of the Messiah, the second coming of Jesus, whatever the topic is, this is what happens when we study the Bible in topics, verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. If you and I want this book, the Bible, to open to us, if we want our understanding to be enlightened, we will study the Bible the way Jesus did. We will study the Bible in topics. Is that clear? Do you see that from Scripture? Jesus studied the Bible in topics. I told you, uh, you guys this yesterday morning. I'll tell it again for those that weren't here. I went to purchase a trailer to pull behind our van to carry a bunch of stuff in. And I was talking to the man that was selling me the trailer. And of course, there's my life van, and he's putting the stuff on the life van that it needs to be there so the trailer doesn't go fly off while we're driving down the road. And he says, what is life? And I told him, I said, you know, life is a four-month lay institute for evangelism. We train lay members how to become involved in active soul winning. And I said, you know, one of the main things that we do is we teach people to study the Bible the way Jesus did. You know, Jesus gave us his secret to studying the Bible. And he said, well, I'll bite that hook. Why don't you go ahead and tell me what that secret is? You know, there's no game to him. And, uh, and so I went, simply went over there in his shop. I didn't pull out my Bible. He was familiar with enough with Scripture that I could just describe to him the, the walk that Jesus had on the road to Emmaus with those two disciples. And I said, you know, there's three ways that you and I can study the Bible in topics. The first one is a Bible guide sheet. He, the second one is a book called Bible Readings for the Home. And the third and best option is me coming over to your home and studying with you for an hour each week. And he said, now how would that look, a Roman Catholic studying with a Seventh-day Adventist each week? I said, so long as we use Jesus' method of studying the Bible, it looks like this. We're going to find Bible truth. He said, now what were the first two options again? So he wasn't interested in option three. I said, the Bible guide sheets or Bible readings for the home. He said, I'll take both of them. And so I took the first five of the Bible guide sheets over to him. I have the Bible readings for the home in my car and I'm going to take that over to him and give him five more of the Bible guide sheets. And I'm simply giving him the same thing that you are going to get when you get the Life on the Edge series or when you go to... I talked to our webmaster this morning, and he's putting up the uh, PDFs of the the presentations that we've done here. So you can just go to comeexperiencelife.com and get that. So we're simply going to do exactly what Jesus did. We are going to study the topic of the great controversy, this battle that goes on between good and evil. You can see there on your screen that the purpose of this Bible study is to show that there's a cosmic <coughs> conflict between God and Satan. There's a cosmic battle going on between God and Satan and you've experienced that in your life. You find yourself in situations where you say, well, they, they gave me too much money back for change do I need to give that money back to them? My wife and I were in REI. You know, every opportunity when you're breathing, every, every moment you have when you're breathing is an opportunity to witness for the Lord Jesus. We were in a store called REI, and I took back a tent, and the lady gave me $369 in change. And I thought, man, that's a lot of money for this tent. I think she gave me too much money. And I said, you know, ma'am, I think you gave me too much money. No, sir, I didn't give you too much money. That's exactly what your receipt said. I said, okay. And I went to my wife and I said, Melanie, how much did we pay for that tent? She told me. And I said, well, tax isn't nearly that much. I think this lady overpaid me by about $60. And she said, well, how much did she give back to you? And I told Melanie and she said, yeah, I think she, over, she gave you too much money back. So I went back up to the front and I told the lady, I said, I'm positive that you've given me too much money back. And she says, you know, I, I did not give you too much money back. I said, can you please just check the receipt and see? And she checked the receipt. Sure enough, she had overpaid me or overreimbursed me by $60. And she said, ooh, that's good karma. I said, I don't know who karma is, but if it weren't for the Lord Jesus Christ, I wouldn't be back up here right now. Every opportunity we have is an opportunity to witness for the Lord Jesus. So we, and, and when we witness for Jesus, we're actually helping the cosmic battle in someone's life. Jesus said, if he is lifted up, he will do what? He will draw all men unto me. Can I tell you another story before we get into the Bible study? Can I do that? We were, uh, my wife and I were at a gas station. I like gas stations because you are forced to look at somebody on the other side of the pump as long as you don't hide. Don't hide. Well, nobody pulled up on the opposite pump from us, but there were two people on the pump, you know, about 15 feet away. And I had these uh, Ten Commandments twice removed. And I had two of them. Well, I had lots of them in my trunk, but I took two of them out. And I went over there, and as I was walking over there, I said, Do you gentlemen like to read? One said no, and one said yes. And I said, Well, you're gonna love this. And I gave it to both of them. See, every opportunity you have when you are breathing is an opportunity to witness for the Lord Jesus. Who cares if somebody thinks you look silly? Who cares? They estimate that someone has to hear about the gospel 14 times before they accept Christ into their life. You may be number one, but at least they're now on the second step, aren't they? You may be number 14 and they may read that book and say, "Ah, why didn't I see that before? So here we are. We're gonna get right into this Bible study. This Bible study is to show the cosmic battle between God and Satan. Now the center it of this Bible study. God is a God of justice who desires the service of genuine love and genuine loyalty. We can win the battle with evil through His Son Jesus Christ. That's how this is centered on Jesus. Have you ever been struggling against something and finally you throw your arms up and you say, Jesus, I just can't do it. I cannot overcome this. You're gonna have to do this for me. And then you don't struggle with that anymore. Jesus is waiting for you and I to say, I know I have an issue. I know I can't take care of it. Can you please take care of it for me? Now that doesn't mean you're not going to have to strive against it, but of course Jesus will give you that power. This Bible study is divided into four different sections and again this handout will be on our website and these are all of the references that you will want to put in either the front or the back of your Bible. And remember, the reason that you're marking it like this in the front or the back of your Bible is so that if you close your Bible during the study and you don't remember, if you have one of those oh my badness moments and you don't remember where you were, my mother used to tell me I couldn't say oh my goodness. If I said oh my goodness, she says there's really nothing good about you, only God is good. So you can't say that. So I said oh my badness. All right. So if you close your Bible study, you get excited and you want to emphasize something. Like Pastor Sizemore, when he does uh, one of his presentations, he says, "Okay, close the Bible. Close the Bible." And if he does that, and and if you do that, and then you forget where you are, if it's not written down the front or back of your Bible, then uh, you're going to feel a little uncomfortable until you find where you were. So these are all the references you write in the front or back of your Bible, and they're divided up into four. four minus one sections, three different sections. The first section is the source of evil. Where did evil come from? The second division is the thrust of evil. What does evil want? What is it trying to get accomplished? And the third section is the cosmic battle over you. We've already prayed, so we'll go ahead and hop right into this study first thing we're going to talk about is the source of evil. Well, the source of evil, before we talk about evil itself, we're going to talk about what God made. So let's go to the very beginning of your Bible. We are going to our first great controversy, that's our code. Our marking code is GC, 1GC, and you notice we're going to have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 references to the word good in the account of creation. Now this may get a little redundant. When you're giving this Bible study, you may think to yourself, there's no point in me going over all seven of these. If that happens to you, you need to stop yourself and say, oh yes, Scott told me that there's a very good point in going over all seven of these. Because you are going to refer back to this foundation of this study in almost all of our next references. So here we are, we're in Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter 1, and our first verse, what happens in Genesis chapter 1, do you remember? Creation, that's absolutely right. Well, in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 10, notice what the Bible says here. And God saw the light, that it was what? Good, and God divided the light from the darkness. So when God made the light, God said it is what? It is good. So was there anything wrong with the light? Not one thing. Now when you're giving Bible studies it's important that you ask questions that can be answered from the reference that you just read or one that you read previous to that. You don't want to try to confuse people by answering, asking them questions that you haven't given them the answer to. Don't you wish you, uh, when you were in school that your, your professor would give you the answers beforehand? You know, I took a, a class on Adventist history, and bless this dear professor's heart, I just, he was one of my most favorite, because the two days before we had our exams, he would say, okay, here's the exam, I'm going to read the questions through uh, in a rapid format, and as many of you them as you can write down, then you'll be able to be, do that much better on, on the test. Well, we had four of us in our little group there in that class, so I took question one, two, three, four, and then... Five, six, seven, eight. you understand? So we got all the questions. But He gave us the answers or the questions prior to the exam so we could do very well on it. And that's the way you want to study the Bible with people. So when God made the light, God said the light was what? Say it in unison. When God made the light, God said the light was good. Now I can hear you. Very good. Let's go to our next reference, verse 10. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters He called seas. And God saw that it was good. So when God creates the light, God says it is good. When God creates the dry land, God says it's good. Was there anything wrong with the land that God created? Was there anything wrong with the light that God created? Let's go to our next reference. Let's go to verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass, and the herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was what? Good. Do you see this pattern here? When God creates something, God creates that something how? Good. When it came to the light, it was good. When it came to the dry land and the seas, it was good. When it came to stuff growing out of the earth, it was good. Good. Let's go to our next reference. Let's go to verse 18. Now when I marked this in my Bible, what I did is I went through chapter 1. My very first reference, because there's so many of these verses that you're going to be referencing here when you mark it. I just simply put it at the top of my uh, Genesis chapter 1. I just put it at the top. And then I circled the word good all the way throughout Genesis chapter 1. So when I'm given this Bible study, I know that I'm just looking for my next circle, my next circle, my next circle. But since you don't have circles, I'm referencing our screen here. By the way, when you mark your Bible, some ink, well most ink has acid in it. And it will eventually bleed through the pages of your Bible. So it would be very good idea for you to go to Walmart or Staples and get a .5 lead pencil because you never have to sharpen them if you, you, know, you keep just pushing that button. That will keep you from pressing too hard because the lead will break and it will also enable you to write smaller than you normally would be able to write. But remember, don't write so small when you mark your Bible that you can't see it because it won't do you any good. Of course, you wouldn't write it that small if you couldn't see it, right? Okay, so what reference are we on now? We just did verse 12. Now we're in verse 18 and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. So here again, God puts the lights in the firmament of the heavens, and God says that it is good. When God creates something, how does He create it? Good. Let's go to our next reference. Let's go down to verse 21. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and the every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. When God creates something, and does this sound redundant? Just keep doing it over and over a little bit? Good. Because what you want to... Good, isn't that? That was, that was smooth. Good. Because what you want to do is you want to deeply impress in the mind of that person that you're giving this Bible study to, that when God creates something, God creates it good. That's absolutely right. God did not create anything that wasn't good. That's what you want people to understand from this. Now, this is what I would like. I would like a volunteer to come up here. Who would like to volunteer for me? I need somebody that enjoys reading. Somebody that enjoys reading. Well, come on up here, sister. What I'm going to do right now, this is another one of those teaching moments. I'm going to teach you how to read when you're giving a Bible study. Well, go get your Bible, sister. You need need the book. When you're reading, it is very important that you make eye contact with the people that you are reading to. I don't know if you've ever uh, seen someone preach and, but they're, and they're looking down the whole time. They don't know if someone has gotten up and gone outside. They don't know if the whole church has left because they're just looking down here and they're never looking up. When you give a Bible study, the only way that you can tell whether somebody is picking up what the Bible is laying down is if you're looking at them. And so your name? Nadine Butler. Actually, I might need to use yours because my Genesis 1 is gone. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good? Yeah, I had to use mine. Well, Nadine has a Bible I use it so much. that has been used, and that is good. Oh, very nice. Thank okay. you. Praise the Lord for you, sister. Okay, we are now going to verse 25. Are you nervous, Nadine? No. Okay. All right. Where are you from? I'm from Poughkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie, New York. Yes. Okay, now, Nadine, when you read, I want you to put your finger where you are reading so that you don't lose your place. Okay. And have you, have you ever read out loud and tried to, to not look at the page? I mean, you look at the page and then you look up and you still keep reading because you remember what it was saying later. Okay, that's what I want you to do. I want you to make good eye contact. And I want you to make eye contact with Bonnie. And then Paul in the back, wave your hand, Paul, because you don't want to leave out the people that are in the back and then uh, is that Walter back there you want to also get Walter okay? okay okay let's do that verse 25 verse 25 and God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and God saw that it was good okay now what what word do you want to put emphasis on in that verse good okay read it whoa read the last part again and God saw that it was good was good. Yeah. See, did she do good? Oh, praise the Lord. God must have made you read. <laughs> praise the Lord, and thank you very much, Nadine. So when you're... when you're, You want to take that one? When you're giving that Bible... I'm going to step out of the light. They will forgive me for this. When you're giving a Bible study, make sure that you make eye contact with the people that you are studying with. This past summer, we had a five-week course and there were several students that would read and make absolutely no eye contact. So I would ask them to read during our Life on the Edge class, and I would walk out the door to the side of the, the front of the room. I would walk around down the hall, come around behind them, and sit down behind them. And they would still be reading. And until they were finished, they didn't even know that I'd gone out of the room and come around and sat behind them. You know, that made a deep impression on them. And, and they only made that mistake twice, because when you read, because you know, I was it's a little embarrassing, but it made the point. When you read, when you're giving a Bible study, you must be engaged with the people that you're studying with. And if you're just in your own little world, just staring down at the page, you're not giving a Bible study. You're just reading out loud. That person could go to the restroom, go get a uh, caffeine-free Dr Pepper, come back and sit down. You know, whatever. And you'd never know it. So when you read, make sure that you make eye contact. Very good job, Nadine. Thank you. So, in verse 25, we see what word again? Good. All right. Now let's go to verse 31. That's our next reference, isn't it? It certainly is. Verse 31, and now there's an adjective in front of this good. I like this adjective here. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good so God makes the light he says it is good God makes dry land and the seas God says it is good God makes the earth bring forth fruit and all this stuff and God says it is good then God puts the lights in the firmament of the heaven and God says it is good and then God puts the animals am I right animals and everything is that right I'm on the right day okay Uh, He puts all the animals and the fish in there and God says it is good. God looks back at everything God has created and God says it is very good. So did God create anything that is not very good? No. Since God only created good Where did all of this evil come from? Now notice the word that I used, since God created. I didn't say if God created everything good, because when you're giving a Bible study, you believe what you're teaching, don't you? If you don't believe it, don't teach it. And if you don't believe what I'm teaching you today, come talk to me and we'll have a deeper Bible study about that. And we'll see if God can convince you in His Word. So when God creates something, God creates it how? good. And he, when he looks at all of what he created, he created it very good. That's right. Now if you notice when somebody gives an answer in here that isn't the exact answer that I'm looking for, so that that person doesn't feel too embarrassed, I always ask another question that will, that will specifically answer the answer that will be the answer that they gave so that that person doesn't feel too embarrassed. Now I probably embarrassed you more by just saying that. But the reason that I do that is because you want the people that you're studying the Bible with to interact with you and if you make them feel less than smart they're not going to want to interact with you. Does that make sense? Okay, so God creates everything that is good. Since God created only good, then where did all of this evil come from? Well, let's go to our next reference. We're actually going to find out that in our next reference that evil Even by Jesus, evil is... Jesus does not take any responsibility for the evil that's in this world. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew the 13th chapter. Oh, don't you just love it when your Bible opens right to the book? Sometimes it opens right to the chapter for me, but that's rare. All right, we're going to start in verse 24. Now, when you read a longer passage... By the way, when you're giving this Bible study or any Bible study, maybe you're giving it to just one person... Maybe it's your prayer partner and you giving it to one person, or maybe your prayer partner and you are giving it to 15 people. You want to give everyone the opportunity to read because that keeps that person engaged in that study as well. Now if somebody is uncomfortable reading, you just say, hey, listen, I know there's a lot of us here. Uh, If you guys would like to read, we'll just go around our circle here. But if you don't want to read, you just elbow the person next to you very gently because they might break. Okay, so here we are, but since I'm on the microphone here and Nadine and I had a little uncomfortable moment there, I'll just keep reading. All right, we are in Matthew 13, verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The king of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. What kind of seed did he sow? Good seed. Who do you suppose that man is? Well, because we want Scripture to interpret itself. Remember, that's the secret. Jesus just went through and pulled out all of these references talking about Himself. Since we want Scripture to interpret itself, we're going to find out who that good man is in just a little bit. Or the man that sowed good seed. Verse 25. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now I'm going to step out of this little light here for a moment and bring this over. Your name, my friend? Jason. Jason, can I have this? Sure. Thank you very much. When I give a Bible study, I'm, I'm never sitting back like this when I give a Bible study. When I give a Bible study, it doesn't matter if I'm in somebody's, on somebody's couch or on their kitchen chair. I just hang my tail end right off of that because I want those people to know that this Bible study is intense. You know, most of communication is your body language. And so if you give a Bible study like this, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. You want to be engaged in this study. You want people to know that you are intense about what you are doing. Is what we are doing important? Is it important for people to understand the Word of God? All right, so then you need to be intense when you give these Bible studies. Here we are, verse 26. Well, let's emphasize something in verse 25. While men slept, who came and sowed tares among the wheat? His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. What type of uh, seed did the man sow, the man that owned the field? He sowed good seed. And then who came and sowed tares among the wheat? The enemy, an enemy, his enemy. Verse 26. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? Even the servants are amazed that there are tares among the wheat. Verse 28. He said unto them, An enemy has done this. Okay, the man that owned the field sowed what kind of seed? Good seed. The enemy sowed what? Tares. And then the servants of the man that sowed the good seed says, From whence came these tares? And the good man, the man that sowed the good seed, said, An enemy did this. So the man that owned the field, does he take any responsibility for the tares that were sown in the field? Zilch. None. Remember, God created everything. What? good, he looks back and God says it is very good. And here this man sows good seed, but an enemy, the one responsible for the tares, is the enemy. Well, who, according to Scripture, is the enemy? Let's finish reading here. Wilt thou that we go and gather them up? Verse 29 now. But he says, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of the harvest I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now you and I want the biblical verse and chapter and all of that to tell us who the, good, the man that sowed the good seed is and who the enemy is. So let's turn Well, in my Bible, I'm just going to turn one page. We're going to go to verses 37 to 39. Verses 37 to 39. The disciples want to know, tell us about this, this parable that you told us about the wheat and tares. And so Jesus is going to do that. Verse 37, He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the what? Son of man. Who's the son of man? Jesus. That's right. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man. Verse 38. The field is the world. Okay, so who was the good seed sower? Jesus was the good seed sower. And what is His field? The world. So what kind of seed did Jesus sow? Good seed. All right, continue on here. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the of the wicked one. So who is responsible for the evil that's happening or the tares in this field? Is it Jesus? No, it's the enemy, and the Bible tells us exactly who that is in verse 39. The enemy that sowed them, the tares, is the who? is the devil. So in this parable you have Jesus over here on this side of the great controversy. You have Jesus over here and Jesus sows into the world and what does he sow? Good seed. Then you have the enemy over here and the enemy sows what? Tares into the same field. So does Jesus take any responsibility for the tares or the evil that is in this world? He does not. He does not, because you remember, when God created, God created everything how? Good. You see how important it was for us to focus on Genesis chapter 1 for so long, because you're going to keep referring back to that. Did we finish reading here? The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. So the enemy that is responsible for the wickedness in this world is Satan, or the devil. Jesus only sowed what kind of seed? Good seed. So I'll ask this question. Based on what we've learned already, is God responsible for evil? If you believe that, say no loudly. Who's responsible for evil? The enemy. And the enemy, according to Scripture, is the devil. You see how I did that? You see how I did that? Remember, you've got to do that so that your audience is like, Oh, yes, I had the right answer. Okay, here we are. Let's go to our next reference now. We are going to see the very same underlying principle in not a parable, but a true story. So we're going to go to our next reference. This will be 3GC, and we will be in Luke 13, verses 10 through 16. You will remember, and I'll have to... Some of you won't remember because this is the first time you're here. If you notice on the screen, 3GC is in a circle. That's the third text in the Great Controversy Study when you're marking your Bibles. This line right here represents Luke 13, 10 through 16, because you're in 3 GCs. Everybody follow that line of thought. All right, now this reference, the reference above the line, is the reference that we just came from. The reference below the line is the reference that we will go to after this. So here we are, Luke the 13th chapter and verse 10. Matthew. Mark, we're turning to the right in our Bibles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 13, we will begin reading in verse 10. So you notice what I did. We were in Matthew, and I told you to turn what direction? To the right. There are so many times where people uh, will tell me during a Bible study or after a sermon and Pastor Sizemore the same thing. People will say, oh man, I'm so glad you tell us which direction to go because I'd never be able to find those verses if you didn't. So remember, you are responsible for teaching people how to study the Bible and how to study it for themselves. That's our goal here. And then those people that learn how to study the Bible will then share what they have learned so we can just get all of this truth out to the world and Jesus can come back and take us home. Is that what you want to happen? Well, my friends, we've got to get off of our comfortable seats and get into our uncomfortable zone and give Bible studies and somebody may ask you a question that you don't know the answer to you know how you take care of that if you don't know the answer to the Bible study that you're giving you say my friend or the answer to their question you say my friend I don't have an answer for that right now but I'd be happy to study it out and next week when we get back together and study I'll try to have an answer you have just confirmed that next week you're going to have a Bible study with that person you want to do that all throughout your study you want to hook them and take them with you Okay. I mean, it's fishing. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And uh, I don't know, Philip, you ever fish with a net? No. Me either. I always fish with a hook. So you got to hook them. <coughs> All right. Luke chapter 10, and we're start, or 13, verse 10. And he was teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Here's a good time to ask a question. How long was this lady sick? How many of you are uh, 18 right now, today? Okay, you've been sick all your life. You think this lady was sick of being sick? I think she was sick of it. All right. Continuing on, and was bowed together and could in no wise lift herself up. So you can imagine, and you know when I'm giving this Bible study, I'm a very animated person, so I give Bible studies very animatedly. So if this lady was, was bent down and she couldn't raise herself up, she'd actually have to do something like this in order to see you. Because she couldn't raise herself up. And when she stood up, she probably had to walk like this because she couldn't raise herself up. Try to talk to you? She couldn't raise herself up. Have you ever looked at the ground for 18 years? I mean, I watch where I'm going, but that's not my main focus. This lady was sick for 18 years. Verse 12, And when Jesus saw her, notice what happens when the Savior comes into the picture. When Jesus saw her, He called her to Him and said unto her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. You think that was music to her ears? What? 18 years I've been sick and all of a sudden at your word, I'm going to be able to be loosed from this? And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Now you notice how I added some emphasis there. You want the people that are studying the Bible with you, you want them to have a picture in their mind that has been painted by the Word of God. Because people remember things in pictures. So continuing on here, verse 15, The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, this is our key reference here, and ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Who, according to Jesus, the one that sowed the good seed, who did Jesus say was responsible for binding that woman for eighteen years? You're right, Satan, the devil, the enemy, the one responsible for sowing the tares into this world. So my friends, no matter what we're going through in our life, if it's not good, then who does it come from? The enemy. Now Jesus says, count it all joy when you go through diverse trials and tribulations. I'm starting to preach here. I don't know the Spirit impressed me to do this. I won't preach very long. And you remember that that Jesus said in Romans chapter 8 that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. So no matter what is happening in our lives, God has a purpose for it and God's purposes are always good. All right, let's go back. Let's go now to Luke chapter 10. So the question remains, it, how did how did evil get here? We know that it came from an enemy, and the enemy's name is the devil and Satan. How did this enemy get down here to this field to sow the tares? That's a good question, isn't it? Let's go to Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. So you're just turning what direction in Scripture? Left, thank you very much. What is your name? Carolyn? Caroline? Oh, you got a southern accent. Caroline? That's why I thought you said Carolyn. All right. She's from Winchester? Are you from Winchester? So you know Pastor? He's the first Seventh day Adventist you met. Well, praise the Lord. You must have heard about the gospel thirteen times before Philip came around. <laughs> ha! Praise the Lord. Verse 18 in Luke chapter 10. Caroline. It's nice to have you here. And he said unto them, verse 18 of Luke 10, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from where? Heaven. Satan? was in heaven. Is that true? How do you know it's true? Because the Bible said it. Now those of you that weren't here yesterday, we learned from the Bible that the reason that the God, that God... Let me just back up here. The reason that we can trust this book is because there's only one God that can tell the end from the beginning. That was. Does anybody remember that reference that was here yesterday? Isaiah? 46 verse 9 and 10. Very nice. Very nice. Woo, y'all are good Bible students. You must have marked your Bible. Did you mark your Bible? Not yet. She said, I got I to get that whole set back there before I mark my Bible. All right, so Jesus says he beheld Satan fall like what? Lightning from where? From heaven. So this enemy of the creator came from where? Heaven. So how did this enemy, since God only created good, how did this enemy get to this world? Do you want to know the answer to that, Caroline? There's a good answer to it, and it's biblical. Now, you're sitting back there and you're like, oh, I know the answer to this. I've heard this before, but there are people that have never heard it. So if you present it like you've heard it before, uh, are you interested at all in finding out how in the world the devil got down here? I'd be willing to tell you if you want to know. No way. Do you want to know how the devil got down here or how he even got up there? Do you want to know? Well, do you? Okay, good. All I need is one person. All right, let's go. Let's go now to our next reference. What will our next reference be according to our marking scheme? Ezekiel 28. You're absolutely right. So we're going to our fifth great controversy reference, and we're going to Ezekiel 28. So we're turning to the left in our Bibles, and you remember our first study, we were in Daniel a lot. You remember where Daniel is? Ezekiel is just to the left of Daniel. Did you say no? You don't remember where it is? No, I said it was right before Daniel. Oh, right before Daniel. Okay, very nice. You see, I'm just watching my audience trying to make sure that I've got everybody connected with me here. And that's the exact same thing you're going to do when you give these Bible studies. Ezekiel 28, we will begin in verse 11. Is everybody there? All right, the Bible says in Ezekiel 28 and verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, So who's going to be talking here? Who's going to be talking here? God. The word of the Lord came unto me saying. So who told Ezekiel this? God did. It's interesting. It's the word of the Lord. Who was the word made flesh? Anyway, we could get into that. The, verse 12 Son of man. Take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Verse 13, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now some people, when you're giving this Bible study, they'll say, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This isn't talking about the devil. This is talking about the king of Tyre. But my friends, was the king of Tyre ever in the Garden of Eden? Or Eden, the Garden of God? He wasn't. This is symbolic. It's very interesting here in Ezekiel 28. The first part of Ezekiel starts out talking to the prince of Tyre. And then when you get to verse 12, it's talking to the king of Tyre. Now who has more power, the prince or the king? The king. So if you read this, you will notice that there are lots of parallels between the prince and the king. The king is describing the power behind the prince that was the earthly ruler. This is talking about a spiritual ruler. It says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering the sardius, the topaz, the diamond and the barrel; the onyx and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald and the carbuncle, thy tabrets oh, and the gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast what? Created. Continuing on here, so this being that is in the garden of Eden was what? Created. And he was in verse 12, it says, "You seal up the sum, you're full of wisdom, and you are perfect in beauty." Verse 14, "Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth." It's very interesting to note that that is sanctuary language. The anointing cherub that covers. Now, Brian would probably like to come up here and tell us all about this, but I'll just do it very quickly for you, brother. He runs Messiah's Mansion and has a lot to do with it anyway, Oklahoma Academy. But they have there a life-size replica. It's life-size, isn't it? Replica of the Old Testament sanctuary. And in the most holy place of the Old Testament sanctuary, there was this box called the Ark of the Covenant. And there was an angel on the left-hand side of the box and an angel on the right-hand side of the box. And those two angels were the angels that covered the mercy seat. And on top of the mercy seat, which was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, on top of that is where the Shekinah glory, or the visible presence of God, dwelt. And so these two angels covered the presence of God. And the Bible says here to the king of Tyre, you were in Eden, the garden of God. You were perfect. You sealed up the sum. You were wise. Then it says there in the, uh, that you even had special pipes in the day that you were created. You were the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, we're in verse 14 again. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Notice verse 15. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. And then there's a very powerful four-letter word here, and it's the word till. Till. That means that from when you were created you were perfect until so something happens at the until doesn't it something happens at the until continuing on here that was perfect in beauty let's see you were perfect verse 15 in the ways in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Now my friend, what is iniquity? Iniquity is sin. You can see that if you want to write that reference down in Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. They're parallel there, iniquity and sin. Isaiah 59 1 and 2. So it says until iniquity was found in you. So this being was perfect until this being had iniquity or sin in him. Is that clear from Scripture? So what we're doing is we're just creating this picture straight from the Word of God. Now when God created something, how did he create it? He created it? Good. He looks back at everything he created and said it is? Very good. And then Jesus told us this parable about this enemy that sowed seeds in the field, which is the world. And who is the enemy? The devil. And then who did he see fall like lightning? Satan. Did you see how I just did it again? Did you see how I just did it again? Somebody said Satan earlier and somebody said devil. And so we had to make sure that everybody was all on the same page. Because that's the language that was used in those verses. And so here's this enemy. Well, where in the world did this enemy come from? Well, this enemy was created perfect until iniquity was found in him. Verse 16. By the multitude of thy Let's see. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast, what's the word? Sinned. Thou hast sinned. So this being that has become our enemy was created how? Perfect. Perfect. In the language of Genesis chapter 1, that being over there was created good until iniquity was found in him and he sinned, continuing on there in verse 16. I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. You know, something we didn't read when we were back in Luke 10, 18 is that Jesus tells His disciples, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you. And then He says, behold, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That was not an event that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit looked on and said, aha, we have gotten them out of here. It was a sad day in heaven when Lucifer fell. We're going to find out that this devil's name prior to being devil and the Satan was Lucifer in our next reference. And then God says here, I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Look at verse 17. What was it that happened to that perfectly created cherub? Now, a cherub is not some short, little, fat, chubby angel with teeny, tiny wings. That's not a cherub. A cherub is a very magnificent creature. And here it is. It says, verse 17, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness? What was it that caused this perfect created cherub or angel to sin? What was his issue? Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. My friend, is it possible, and this is one of those appeal moments during these these Bible studies that you're giving, is it possible that God has given us gifts that we too are abusing. Every gift that the Creator gave to that angel was good. He looks at that angel he says it is very good. Is it possible that God has given us a good gift, a very good gift, yet we are perverting that gift? Because that's what happened with Lucifer. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty, verse 17 again. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they might behold thee. Verse 18. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine what? Iniquities. By the iniquity of thy traffic, therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. This being was created perfect, but he took that gift that God had given him of beauty and he became proud and arrogant. The Bible tells us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Bible tells us, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So this angel that was in the very presence of God is lifted up and becomes proud. That's the iniquity that was found in him. He, he was lifted up and becomes proud because of a good gift that God had given him. And my friends, it would do us well to look in our lives and see if God has given us a gift that we are abusing. Am I misusing a talent that God has given to me? Well, let's just continue here. We have three minutes and 15 seconds left. We'll go to our next reference. Our next reference is found where? Tell me where it's found. Isaiah 14. 14. You're absolutely right. An easy way to remember this is Ezekiel is after Isaiah, right? So Isaiah 14, and then you double 14 and you get to Ezekiel Twenty-eight. That's a good way to remember that if you ever forget whether it's Isaiah 28 or Isaiah 14. But anyway, we're going to Isaiah 14 verses 12 through 14. So the reason that this devil or Satan falls like lightning from heaven is because he became proud. God had given him a good gift, a very good gift, and he becomes proud and arrogant, and as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, and then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, he just couldn't keep his mouth shut about how good looking he was, or about how smart he was. Remember, he was, he was the sum of perfection. He was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. I am smarter than God. Have you ever thought that? Has God ever told you to do something and you said, forget it, I'm doing something else? Then you've acted just like Satan. Perish the thought. Perish, God help us. Verse 14. We're starting in what what reference? Isaiah 14, verse... 12. Now listen to this language here. Sounds very familiar to another reference that we heard moments ago. And I'm going to ask you what reference it was. This is like quiz time. Okay, Bonnie? Are you getting ready? All right, verse 12. How thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. Give me the reference that we read earlier where Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What is it? Luke 10:18. That's absolutely right. Oh, how thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. So, where did Lucifer fall from? Heaven. What part of heaven? He was the anointed cherub that covers. So, what part of heaven did he fall from? He fell from the sanctuary, the very throne room of God. Now, some of us think, ah, I can get to heaven because I'm a good person. My friends, a perfect angel had to leave heaven because he became proud and arrogant. Don't ever think that we can get back to heaven because we're a good person. The only way that we will make it to heaven is from the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only way. A perfect angel falls And we're fallen beings thinking we can get there just because we're so good? It'll never happen. It's only because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So my appeal to you as we end this class is that you accept the Creator of the good as your Savior. Is that your desire? Is that your desire in your heart? Praise the Lord. Father, we ask that you will bless us now. As we go into the next part of this study, some of us, Father, may go to a different class. We pray that you will bless us there and that you will be glorified when we have the opportunity to share with someone what we have learned here. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, we will take a 15-minute break here, and then we'll come back and we will finish the rest of this study. Has it been good so far? Has it been very good? Oh, then it must be from the Lord. This media was produced by Audioverse for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.